Welcome to Quantum Kingdom Life uh, here on Wednesday night in Orlando, Florida. I'm David and this is my lovely wife, Joanna. And there's the Queen's wave. She's saying hello, the woman behind the camera today. We are going to have a really great time tonight. We're going to talk about three levels, three levels of the prophetic. Say three. 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 Uh, everybody say hello. We're in a live audience. Okay, so three levels of the prophetic, and this is going to dispel the myths. You don't want to apply uh, tennis rules to a rugby game or rugby rules to badminton and basketball rules to softball because it wouldn't be appropriate to do that. It would be very confusing. And so when we talk about the prophetic and the prophetic gifts and the three levels of prophecy, being able to identify the prophetic level and apply rules to those levels is more appropriate. So for example, and we're going to go into some brief examples, in fact, Holy Spirit, come give us wisdom tonight as we talk about the three levels of the prophetic so that we might have understanding of your word in Jesus' mighty name. First Corinthians, First Thessalonians 5.19 through 22. First Thessalonians 5, chapter 5, verse 19 through 22. I'm reading from the New International Version first. I'll also read from the King James Version. NIV, do not put out the Spirit's fire. So this is an admonition from the Apostle Paul telling us, do not. It's a prohibition. Don't put out the Holy Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold fast or hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. So let's just highlight these again. 1 Thessalonians 5.19-22. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. It's a prohibition. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. It's a prohibition. Then it's an admonition. Test everything. It's a command. Hold on to the good. Notice it didn't say test everything and hold on to the bad. Wow. Eat the chicken, spit up the bones, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. When people pan for gold, do they test everything to find out if it's gold? And do they point out all the things that are bad? No. They discard the bad and they hold fast to that which is good. And when it comes to prophecy, we need to test everything and hold fast to that which is good and not discard something because it has some impurities in it. You're saying, well, David, aren't prophets supposed to be stoned if they say something that doesn't come to pass? Well, yeah, that is the case in the office of the prophet Old Testament. Remember, rugby rules to badminton? No. Badminton rules for badminton. Basketball rules for basketball. Football rules for football. Let's keep everything in its lane and let's apply the correct rules for the correct game. And that's why we're talking about three levels of prophecy tonight. I'm going to talk about 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22 from the King James Version. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Quench not the spirit. Remember NIV says don't put out the spirit's fire. Quench not the spirit, verse 19. Despise not prophesying, verse 20. NIV, do not treat prophecies with contempt. 
Number, verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. These are commands from the Holy Spirit through the first century prophetic pen of the Apostle Paul in canonized scripture for us. Everything that's been written aforetime is for us that through patience and hope of the scriptures, we might lay fast to these things. So quench not the spirit. Do, do not despise prophesying. Prove all that. You know, there's some people that decide, despise prophecies. So a prophet told me that prophets aren't for today. Or don't trust this. They immediately default. Now, maybe they've been wounded. Maybe they've been taught wrong. But we're going to recalibrate today. You ever been in your car and you've got a GPS? And here's what happens. You miss a turn. Does it say to you, stupid, stupid, stupid? No, it simply says, recalculating, recalculating, make a U-turn where possible. When we make a mistake, either doctrinally or in another area, we fall into sin or we get into doubt or disbelief or we become offended, the Holy Spirit doesn't say, stupid, stupid, stupid. The Holy Spirit is gracious, even more gracious than your GPS, your global positioning satellite. It's the GPS of the Holy Spirit, God's positioning spirit. He repositions you to be in alignment with heaven. Did you know that the heavenlies are always shifting in your behalf? God is always shifting the heavenlies in your behalf. When you make a mistake, he says, recalculating, the heavenlies must shift. Angels, I release you to go down and do your job. Do you not know that we'll one day judge angels, the Bible says? I can imagine this. We're judging angels on that day. And we're giving them a score of 1 to 10. My dad was a great diver, international master's diving, hall of fame. And he would dive 10-meter tower. And so I was at many diving events. And the best thing you can get in diving is a 10. If you look at the Olympics, it's like 9, 9.5, 10, 10, 9.5, 9. And they take that score in judging divers we get to be those who judge angels and here's what i think will happen it'll come up on the silver screen i don't know if this is doctrinally accurate but it's certainly a fun metaphor and i think what will happen is god will put up on the silver screen a car accident that you had and the angel wrapping around you in the car accident the car crashing or flipping or turning and all of a sudden you come out like with one little scratch on you. How did it happen? He commanded his angels regarding you lest you dash your foot against a stone. And I think God will say, what do you give the angel on that? And you'll say, it was amazing what the angel did. I did get a scratch though, didn't I? Nine and a half. Nine and a half on a scale of one to 10. And so I think angels are motivated to please the father and they're motivated as goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life as you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 23. I believe that angels could fall into the category of one name goodness and one name mercy. Not limited there too, but just a couple of additional angels named goodness and mercy that follow you all the days of your life as you dwell in the presence of the Holy One. Tonight we're talking about prophecy. We're going to dispel myths. We're going to define lines. We're going to talk about three different levels of prophecy. Did you know 
that prophets have always been. Prophets have always been. Luke chapter 1, verse 70, As God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Luke chapter 1, verse 70. And guess what? From the world's beginning, God chose to move through prophetic voices and oracles. In the New Testament, it says, Don't you know that you may all prophesy one by one? 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 40. So God wants us to prophesy. He wants us to operate in the gift of prophecy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is hearing from God and speaking to men. Not just God's words, but his heart on the matter. And he is a heart of love. Sometimes people will come and they have the right words of God, but they don't have the right heart of God. What do we do when that happens? Despise, not prophesize. Reject, not prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to that which is good. And you can say, brother or sister, I receive that word. I reject the spirit in which you brought it in. You can separate the precious from the vile. I've had people come to me and rebuke me with a, raw, a right word, but a wrong spirit. And they were right, and it was a good word, and it brought correction. But the spirit they brought it in was condemnation, guilt, shame. And God gives prophecy for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Accurate word, wrong spirit. What happens when somebody comes to you with a wrong word and a wrong spirit? Reject it because it's not from the Lord. It's a form of witchcraft or manipulation, intimidation, or domination. And when somebody comes to you with a nasty witchcraft, Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft word, and if you're in full gospel circles where people are fallible and they make mistakes and they're growing in their gifts and they sometimes prophesy beyond their proportion of faith and they get off into the weeds or they get involved with a, a familiar spirit that they partnered with, they can come and give you a really slimy, nasty, mean-spirited word that can affect you and get into your soul if you're not careful. But we're not to despise prophecies. Just because people counterfeit $100 bills doesn't mean we're to throw out all the hundreds. In fact, some of you would like to have some hundreds. But wait a second. Don't you know that there's some artificial or fake or counterfeit hundreds out there? Get rid of all of them. In fact... Put them in the offering plate tonight. We'll clean them up for you. We'll separate the precious from the vile. I'm joking, of course, but I'm giving a metaphor that if we applied the same rules to money as we apply to prophecy in the church, we would have no prophecy and we would have no money. But the Bible says this, believe in the word of the Lord, so shall you be established. Believe in the, his prophets, so will you prosper. So there's something about an accelerant on the written word of God when it becomes the breathed, fresh, spoken word of God that carries us into acceleration with prophecy and prosperity. And when I say prosperity, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about prospering in your soul, your relationships, your career, your ministry, your prayer life. True prosperity is, I beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. 3 John, little John in back. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, 
I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You want to prosper in your health and you want to prosper in your finances, health and wealth? Allow the Lord to prosper you in your soul. We, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. The word delight ourselves in the Lord in the original Hebrew language in Psalms is this. It's to make oneself pliable, formable in the potter's hands where he can bend and shape you the way he wants. And when God can make you into his image and likeness, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we're saying, Lord, have your way with me. Less of me, more of you. I must need decrease. You must need increase. Then we're saying, fashion and shape me after your will. Mold me and make me. And now we've delighted ourselves in the Lord. And guess what? Now the Father's heart replaces our old stony heart of flesh he puts in a new heart by his holy spirit then he begins to move us to follow his decrees and to keep his commands in accordance with ezekiel chapter 36 verses 24 through 26. he takes out our heart of stone he puts in a new heart a heart of flesh he gives us his spirit that moves us from the inside out, out of relationship. Not out of religion of do's and don'ts, but out of relationship of being done. It's a done deal. And he moves us to follow his decrees and to keep his commands from the inside out. And now what happens is when we delighted ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of his heart within us. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petition we've asked of him. If we abide in him and, he abide, and his word abides in us, we will ask what we will, and it will be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. John chapter 15, verse 7. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons, the mature sons of God. And anyone who says he abides in him, 1 John 2, 6, must also walk in character, even as Jesus walked. Does that help line things out on how we get into position to hear from God accurately in proximity with him and then communicate not just God's words, but also his heart, which is a heart of love? So let's say somebody comes to you and it's other than a heart of love. They have a false word. And it's a wrong spirit. This is what I sometimes do. It's different when they've made a mistake or offended. We have to, you know, walk in higher truth. But if they come mean-spirited and they have a bad agenda, I just look at them and smile and say, I don't receive that, but you can have a double portion. No, no, I don't want a double portion. Well, you wanted a portion of it for me, but I'm going to decline, so I'm going to pray that you receive a double portion of that word for you. And that gives them a real moment of sobriety. And then this is what I say to them. When I know that it's not the Lord and when I know I'm in alignment with God and I know the attack is based upon walking in righteousness, not walking in error. But when you're standing on solid ground, I say, how about this? If I'm in error, 
regarding this matter, may the Lord correct me in his fierce anger. And if you're in error on this matter, may the Lord correct you in his mercy. And that ends the argument. But may he correct both of us and change us into the image and likeness of his son. See, that brings peace because you give somebody space to grow, space to repent, and space to be corrected. And you also say, I'm willing to be corrected by the Lord. And often if people continue in that behavior, and you really are walking under the anointing and the presence of God and the character of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit, it doesn't end well for them. There's normally a course correction, and then God might use you in the hospital with them to pray for them. I've actually had people curse me and say horrible things and end up on their back with terrible back problems, not able to move. And Jesus appeared to them and said, I will not heal you until you repent for what you said against my servant David. And you need to tell him directly, and I'll have him pray for you, then I'll heal, I'll heal you. And I've gone and, you know, I like forgot about it, you know, and they've been on their back for two weeks or maybe a month. And they finally, after the Lord's dealing with them, will call me and they'll be in tears and they'll repent. And I'll pray for them. God will instantly raise them up. But sometimes they can't keep their mouth off you. There's just an offense. There's a spirit that they've partnered with. Jealousy, anger, malice. I don't know what it is. They'll speak again. They'll end up right back in that bed again. And God is trying to help us get to heaven. And if we've got to go through a little hell in the process to get us to the cross, he scourges every son that he pleases. Otherwise, we would be what the Bible calls bastards. I'm using a Bible term, by the way, Hebrews. So don't just think I'm using these terms. So we're talking about three levels of prophecy. We're saying don't reject prophecies. We're talking about somebody comes in a wrong spirit with the right word. We're mature. We say, you know, I receive the word. I reject the spirit. Or if they come in a right spirit and a right word, even if we don't like it, say, you know, I don't like that word, but I sense it's from the Lord. I'm in error. Or let me take that to the Lord in prayer. And thank you for being obedient unto the Lord. I've actually experienced people come to me well-meaning and said things to me that were based upon natural information not based upon the spirit and their natural information was limited so they saw a snapshot they didn't see the moving picture i was at an event my wife who's a national pageant holder she was crowning girls there was foster kids about 55 of them it was a really powerful move of god she taught on butterflies from caterpillars to butterflies as they go through the chrysalis process and she's talking about how the monarch butterfly can fly two and a half times around the world and as she's speaking and the Lord gives her this message in the 11th hour and she switches her message about the monarch, what we didn't know was in Oklahoma at the time, there was hundreds of thousands of monarch butterflies migrating right over the 16 acres that we were on where we were doing this event. It was absolutely beautiful. And these women, as my wife was crowning them and speaking life over them, they were being reintegrated in their fractured soul and soul wounds were being healed and depression and anxiety and self-hatred and promiscuity and drug addiction and suicide was falling off of them as God was marvelously moving in their lives. So I was there as a support beam for my amazing Proverbs 62 wife, who's a double portion Proverbs 31. And 
everything was going great. And after a couple of days, because I was behind the scenes and supporting, and I'm normally on the front side, you know, speaking, a man came to me well-meaning, and he was in kind of fear and trepidation. And he said, uh, the, I'm learning about prophecy, and he says, I, I want to step out on faith. And he said, uh, is it okay if I, if I give you this word? And I said, sure, go ahead. And he said, well, the Lord told me, uh, I believe the Lord told me to tell you that you're not to be, uh, uh, to feel, you know, less because uh, your wife is doing a great work and, and, and you're, you're going to get the same reward in heaven for supporting her. And it, just because you're not on the platform and people don't know your name or don't know who you are, you're not to feel bad. And, uh, and, and so he didn't know the rest of my story. And so I looked at him and I could have said, I don't know that you know, but in that point, he was stepping out on faith. And we're not to snuff out a smoking flax or to break a, a wounded reed. We're to encourage. So at that point, I looked and I said to him, I said, thank you so much for stepping out on faith to operate in your prophetic gift. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I gave him a hug, shook his hand. I didn't tell him his word was accurate. What I did say was I thanked him for stepping out on faith. Otherwise, my words could have hurt him and set him back two or three years in ever trying to prophesy again. So eat the chicken, spit up the bones, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, eat the grapes, spit up the seeds. The same way with prophecy. And when somebody's coming and they're trying to do the right thing, encourage them. You don't have to endorse what they said is true if it's an inaccurate word, but you do want to encourage the person. Remember, we reject prophecies when they're wrong, we accept them when they're right, or we test everything and hold fast to that which is good and don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We don't reject people, we don't reject prophets. People miss it. We're, we're the hose, he's the water. Sometimes the hose needs to be cleaned. The water's pure, but by the time it gets through us, it's sometimes polluted. That's why it's important that we pray in the Spirit and spend time in the secret place of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty. We walk in Him, we live in Him, in Him we move and have our very being. Is this helpful at all? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into the three levels of prophecy. But I don't know if you realize this, but the word of the Lord came. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, and the word of the Lord came unto Nineveh, or the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, or the word of the Lord came unto Isaiah. The word of the Lord came is recorded 88 times between Isaiah to Zechariah. So the prophets and the minor prophets. You've got the five major prophets and the 12 minor prophets, 17 books in the Old Testament. It's recorded 88 times between Isaiah and Zechariah that the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord is important. And we need to hear a fresh word of the Lord, but that word needs to line up with the written word of the Lord. Sometimes people come to me with these metaphors and these platitudes, and I said, can you kind of anchor that in Scripture for me? And they're like, well, you know, I just saw this, and it was a dove, and it was flying, and... 
could you anchor it in scripture? Did the Lord give you scriptures to support what he had told you? Well, it's in there somewhere. Okay, so when we're prophets or we're prophetic, we need to anchor things back to the scripture because God never speaks anything contrary to his written word. Now, he will speak something that's not maybe in alignment with your interpretation of it. God doesn't speak and violate his word, but he has no problem violating your interpretation of his word or your misinterpretation. Let prophecy bring you into the scriptures and say, I never saw that before, but it's right there. I've watched some people that are prophetic teachers. I'm absolutely astounded at the revelation that flows from their mouth, and then they'll, it'll be like, you'll feel the Spirit on it, the Holy Spirit. But then you'll be like, where is that in the scripture? And all of a sudden you'll get quick into a verse, and you'll be like, and that verse will come right out of their mouth. And then they'll say this, and then that verse will come. So they anchor it to the, the morning of scripture. And that's how you know a word is from the Lord because it lines up with the word. God never speaks contrary to his word, but he will speak contrary to your interpretation of it. He has no problem because he loves to correct us. I've had the Lord speak things to me and I'm like, not so, Lord, where's that in the scripture? And he'll give me three verses and I'll be like, oh, yes, sir, Lord. Yes, yes, I changed my position on that matter. Do we know everything? No. But we have the mind of Christ if we'll tap into it. The Bible says in three places about the mind of Christ. First, it says, Allow this mind to be in you, which was also in Christ. Then it says, arm yourself with this same mind, which is also in Christ. And then it says, but you have the mind of Christ. Well, which is it? Do we allow it? Do we arm ourselves and take action, or do we have it? And the answer is yes. If we're living in the outer courts, we have to allow this mind to be in you. Otherwise, we could allow another mind to be in us. Remember, our old stinking thinking got us into some pretty big trouble, didn't it? But the minute we began to allow the mind of Christ to be in us, and it began to renew our mind through the washing of the water of the word, where we're no longer being conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're being transformed through the renewing of our mind that we might know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will, the good, the better, the best, the outer courts, the inner courts, the holy of holies, the body, the soul, the spirit, the Egypt, the wilderness, the Canaan land, the milk in the outer courts, the strong meat in the Holy of Holies and the hamburger and fries in between, the past, the present, the future, who was, who is, who is to come. Allow this mind to be in you. Arm yourself with this same mind, but ye have the mind of Christ. We grow from grace to grace and faith to faith. So the word of the Lord came, is recorded 88 times between Isaiah to Zechariah. So the three levels of prophecy, you ready? Level number one, the testimony of Jesus. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 9, or 10, 17. Revelation 19, 10. And I, John, on the Isle of Patmos, fell at the angel's feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You may all prophesy one by one. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If a three-day-old Christian 
when I say three days old, they've been born again 72 hours. They're coming off drugs, alcohol, prostitution. They're a, a gang member. They're on the streets. They are born again on the inside, but their mind hasn't been fully transformed. And they get up before a congregation and testify about what Jesus did for them, setting them free. They may butcher the scriptures in the process, but it will bring you to tears as they talk about what Jesus did for them and they give their testimony of their encounter with Jesus. Every believer who's been born again, every person who's been born again, every single person who's had an encounter with the Lord has the testimony of Jesus. He delivered me from depression. He delivered me from suicide. He delivered me from arrogance, pride. He delivered me from drugs. He delivered me from divorce. He delivered me through divorce. He delivered me from this and that and all nine yards. And while I was still yet hated God, he loved me just the way I was. And now what I was, I no longer am because I, he transformed me with the power of his spirit. A thousand pounds lifted off my chest. If people are telling these testimonies, it's speaking to your heart and mine as we hear it. And we're humble. They do not have to be a theologian or have a seminary degree to impact the lives of others. Your testimony is the greatest prophetic word a person will ever receive one-on-one -on -one as you get up and you give your testimony of what Jesus has done. Last year about this time, we were on Sid Roth and I shared my testimony about what Jesus had done and it went out to hundreds of thousands of people online and people were greatly impacted and touched. And sometimes you forget how significant and how powerful and impactful your testimony of what Jesus has done for you really can be in the lives of others. Because we're so focused on memorizing verses and seven points to this and going here and there, just giving your testimony. is the simple gift of prophecy or the testimony of Jesus. So the testimony of Jesus is the first level of prophecy. The next level up is the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.3, but he that prophesieth, King James Version, speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. The NIV version says, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So the first level is you tell about what Jesus has done for you and it will speak to the hearts of those that are hearing. People won't argue with your testimony. They'll argue with your doctrine. They'll argue with your verse of scripture you quote on what it means, but they won't argue with your testimony because nobody can argue with a changed life. Testify. Prophesy. I didn't say prophesy. lot. said prophesy. Be anointed. Not anointing, but anointed. Amen? And then... As you begin to hear from God and speak to men, you begin to bubble forth with words that are what I refer to as level two or the simple gift of prophecy or the basic gift. It is for edification, exhortation, and comfort, King James, 1 Corinthians 14.3, or strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So if I come to you with a word that's rebuke, and correction is that strengthening encouragement and comfort probably not is it so that couldn't fall into the testimony of jesus 
it couldn't fall into the simple gift of prophecy from 1 Corinthians 14.3. And the testimony of Jesus is Revelation 19.10. The simple gift of prophecy is 1 Corinthians 14.3, edification or strengthening, exhortation or encouragement, comfort and comfort. So when somebody comes to you and it's not strengthening, it's not encouragement, and it's not comfort, then you have to determine, is this person coming to me in the higher level, the third level, which is the office of the prophet? And if they don't have a good testimony, and they haven't operated in the simple gift, I really would have to put a large question mark on whether or not they're operating in the office of the prophet because we will crawl walk run don't we we all start somewhere now let's talk about the office of the prophet it's interesting the bible says you may all prophesy but then in the same passage it says are all prophets no wait a second you can all prophesy but are all prophets no well there must be a distinction so when there's a distinction between prophesying for edification, exhortation, and comfort, an office of the prophet, foretelling of events, also for edification, exhortation, and comfort, correction, and at times rebuke. And prophets will often come with signs, wonders, miracles, and demonstrations of the spirit and of power. And what will often happen is you'll see tremendous moves of God and great deep repentance. And a true prophet will have a prayer life that spends more time in prayer than he does in prophesying. And he'll wait upon the Lord, for God reveals his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So the six things that you'll see with a prophet who's operating in the prophet's office, again, prophesying, not prophesying, Number one, you'll see edification. Number two, you'll see exhortation. Number three, you'll see comfort. So they'll have the simple gift. They'll also have the testimony of Jesus where they have their personal testimony where they've been changed in the process and they'll have that character. And then they'll also have these three things that you don't see in the simple gift and you also don't see in the testimony of Jesus. You'll see foretelling or prediction You'll see correction or rebuke, and you'll also see guidance or direction. And as you see, the office of the prophet has edification, exhortation, and comfort. He also or she also has prediction, which includes foretelling, rebuke, which involves correction, and direction or guidance. They're directive words. They're corrective words. They're predictive words in addition to strengthening encouragement and comfort or edification exhortation and comfort in the king james a lot of times people who call themselves a prophetess or somebody who calls themselves a prophet are well-intentioned and they're probably in the school to become a sent prophet and they might step into that office from time to time but the reality is their primary gift is to prophesy, which all may prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But not all are prophets. I remember one day I was a young believer. I was about a year old in the Lord, and I had a dream, and I was buying 
in the dream I was buying these candy bars at like a convenience store and I had so much in my hand and I was excited to get a deal on these candy bars and I walked up to the counter in the dream and I set them on the table on the counter and the woman behind the counter at the convenience store she looked at me and she had a bright countenance and she says oh very nice and she says do you know what you're called to be and I'm looking at the candy bars and I'm like no I don't and she says, oh, she says, you're a teacher, preacher, and an apprentice, an apprentice prophet. Teacher, first, secondary gift, preacher, and apprentice prophet. What is an apprentice prophet? Somebody who's not a prophet, but they're being trained to be one. By the way, that was 31 years ago. I still don't call myself a prophet today. <laughs> People refer to me as that. I don't refer to myself as that. I'm just David. I'm a son. And so I think it's important that we don't give ourselves titles and names that the Lord has not, or that we proclaim that we have gone from apprentice to the office before God has publicly ordained us to do so. Now, do I experience the office of the prophet from time to time? Yeah, I do. But does that certificate me as such? No. But again, titles don't mean much to me. They really don't. I've got a doctorate in theology. Dr. David Herobedian. The first message I preached after I got my doctorate of theology was a concentration in marketplace ministry and master's in divinity and a bachelor's in theology and all those degrees i taught on theology neology or meology theology knowing god neology getting on your knees to really get to know god and if you don't have neology on your knees before god in prayer you'll just end up preaching meology about me myself and i the unholy trinity instead of heology about the father son and holy spirit so I'm not into titles, but a lot of people are. And because people are into titles, the Lord told me to begin to use my title, not for my benefit, but for other people's benefits, so that they could receive me because I've got a doctorate. And now it's amazing. I met with somebody today, I was a couple of hours from here, and they said, my wife said, we need to talk to Dr. David. He'll have the answer to this theologically. And he said, I thought to myself, that's the same David before he got a doctorate as after, but now that I've got a doctorate, somehow it qualifies me to answer the questions I was able to answer prior to the doctorate. But again, it didn't change my gift or the mantle or the knowledge base. What it did is it changed the title for people to be able to acknowledge. Would you rather go to the person who's got some herbs and some this and that, or would you rather go to the doctor? The one with the herbs might be right, and the doctor might be wrong. We found out that a lot in the last couple of years. I'm going to stay away from that in this one. <laughs> but I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, okay. So, office of the prophet, edification, exhortation, and comfort, also prediction, foretelling, rebuke, correction, and direction, guidance. And so... As I had that dream, I didn't know what I was called to, but I was leading people to Jesus. I was teaching Bible studies, but I didn't know what my calling was. You know how you can tell what your calling is? You're already doing it. 
If you're called to hospitality, you're very hospitable to people. If you're called to giving, maybe you make a lot of money and you, you love to give. You don't want to let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. You go hand people envelopes or checks or this is for this, I heard this. Or you might be an influencer to bring people to church. You're an exhorter. Or maybe you're in the helps ministry. You walk in, you immediately begin to set up chairs and break down chairs. It's like you're moved to do it. Or you're a tech person and you have gifts for technology and you walk up and say, Pastor, I don't know if you've ever thought about live video streaming. And he or she's like, I, I, I don't know how to do that. I, I, I do. I can show you how to do that. Well, what would it cost? It costs a lot. Yeah, it would cost, uh, uh, you have your phone? Here, let me get a stand for 20 bucks and set it up and I can show you how to click, click, click and you can tap into your Wi-Fi now you've got a virtual church. Well, nobody told me I could do that. So the tech person works with the vocal person and the two now get the gospel out to the nations instead of a house church of maybe 12 or a small church of 50 or maybe a church of 100 or a mega church of 5,000. Now it's going to 500,000 with technology. Do you see how important those other gifts are? But other people are like, who's that guy with the earring and his nose and the earring and the ear and the long hair? Oh, that's the tech guy. Well, he's weird. You've got to feed him pizza and pancakes. It's the only thing you can slide under the locked door. Shouldn't be seen in public. Oh, he doesn't need to be seen in public. The public sees what he does, but they don't know his or her name. We have to properly recognize those that are in the body amongst us, know those that labor among us and not miss our day of visitation for an amplification of the gift God gave us. But to celebrate those. How many people walk up to you and say, wow, you've got a really beautiful spleen. I'm so impressed with your spleen. You have a gorgeous liver. Gosh, I just really want to, you know, acknowledge your gallbladder. Beautiful gallbladder. People don't do that. Nice kidneys. You know, I mean, they don't do that because they don't see them. But if your liver shuts down, God forbid, jaundiced eyes, yellow, people know you have a liver problem and now the person doesn't have strength, they don't have energy. Doesn't matter what they look like on the outside anymore. They need a liver on the inside. And a lot of ministries have sick livers. And they need a liver transplant in the spirit. They need a technology person who's been rejected by the rest of the church because they might look different than you or me. And if you plug that liver in, all of a sudden everything functions good again. You know, years ago there was many ministers during the Voice of Healing Days, 1947 to 1958, and every successful evangelist with a miracle ministry under the tent revivals, they all had what was referred to as a money man. It was the person who raised the money for their ministry. And almost every one of the prophets or the evangelists got crossways with their money person. And I'm not talking about the person who funded them, but the person who made awareness and said where there's a vision, there's provision, and they raised faith for funds to come in for the gospel to go out. Every, almost every single one of them got crossways because they thought the person who was the money person, which was the fuel for the train, wasn't that important as the conductor on the train. And those ministries crashed one after another. And those ministers ended up getting into sin. They then started to raise their money themselves. They became manipulative. They became angry. 
They became rude. They became demanding, shameful, controlling, because it wasn't their gift to raise the money and the awareness and the faith, but their gift was to preach the faith. So don't get crossways with your technician. Don't get crossways with your web developer. Don't get crossways with your musicians. Don't get crossways with the people that donate. They have a different gift than you have. And don't think you're better than them. And don't think that they're better than you because together we are better. T-E-A-M, team, together everyone accomplishes more. Is this helpful at all? So that's why I love our donors and supporters. You want to know the ones I love? Specifically, the ones that donate don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, and they come secretly and they say, Here, go meet this need. Don't let anybody know it was me, please. I want to donate anonymously. I want to do it secretly that God might reward me openly. But I don't even really care that much about the reward. What I care about is the need is met because God put it on my heart. We have partners that have partnered with us for years, monthly. You can set the clock or the calendar by when the money and the support arrive. I'm talking about years and years. I may not hear from them for two or three months. They might contact me. And rarely do they ever call for a need. And when they do, we are Johnny on the spot. We bombard heaven and God gives them miracles. Then we have other people that call, contact, all the time they get a hangnail. They need a three-day fast from everybody but themselves. And when you get done preaching, it ain't a bad show for a buck for them. But their Netflix subscription never runs out. Their nails are already done, always done. And their hair is always perfect. And they got perfect makeup. And they always came from the spa. But they always have a need. And their hand is out. You only see this side of their hand, the open palm. You don't see the back side. I think they think we're palm readers. But we're not. Anyway. So I don't know how we got off on that. So we need to esteem one another better than ourselves in the body of Christ. In other words, showing honor where honor is due. We need to recognize the three different levels of prophecy and apply the proper rules to the proper type of gift or prophecy. And when a person does make a mistake and they're stepping out in faith and they completely blow it and miss it, we thank them for stepping out on faith because they're doing something the other 11 disciples aren't doing that are sitting on their blessed assurance, eating spiritual bonbons, singing Kumbaya in the safe boat, while Jesus is out there walking on water and Peter is floundering and sliding into the water and screaming, oh, Jesus, help me, and puts him back in the boat, and suddenly they're on the other side. It's easy to judge the Peters that are making mistakes, but he's preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 are getting saved, not the other 11. Well, one hung himself, but anyway, we won't go there. So, my point is this. Everyone may prophesy in two forms. One, the testimony of what Jesus has done for you is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10. Everyone may operate in the simple gift of prophecy, edification, exhortation, and comfort. But are all prophets? No. But can we grow into it? Yes, because if we're faithful with little, we'll be given authority over much. 31 years ago, I was called as a teacher and a preacher and an apprentice prophet. Sometimes I operate in that office, but don't call myself one. 
My wife operates in that office, but doesn't call herself that one. And when somebody leads with that title, unless they have a proven ministry, and I have friends that do have proven ministries in those areas, and they, they have that title for good cause. But others, just because you drive a certain car, or you wear a certain suit, don't make you no apostle, don't make you no prophet. But if you have it, you'll be known by the gift, not by the title. Amen? Okay, we're going to close. Has this been helpful at all? Yes. Okay. So, celebrate other people. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1-13, through 13, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it upon Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found. This is the office of the prophet. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He's asking, what shall I do about my son? See, the prophet has seen this either in a vision or he had it in a dream of the night or he's bubbling forth by the Naba or the Nabi hearing, bubbling forth or seeing by the seer anointing. You will go on from here until you reach a great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a, wine of, a skin of wine. Wow, these are details, aren't they? This isn't general, oh, I see the Lord wants to bless you. Oh, I see the Lord bringing you a sum of money. You see the difference? This is the office of the prophet. And when you operate in this, it's really an effortless office to operate in because when you step into that realm, you just speak what you see. I remember one time, I stepped into the office of prophet as a young believer in 1994, so I'd been born again about four years. And as I was praying over somebody, I stepped into this realm. It was the first time I'd stepped into the office of the prophet. I wasn't a prophet. Remember, prophet, apprentice prophet. I'm giving clarification here. And when I stepped into that, I saw his wife having a son that would be born. I saw the child being raised up with musical gifts. I saw 15 instruments that he would be able to play. And when he would go into full-time ministry at age 16, I saw all of this. I was more mystified than anyone. And when I came out, do you know all those things came to pass? But can I operate in that office at will? No. So just because you caught a fish don't make you a fisherman. Just because you made a birdhouse doesn't make you a carpenter. And just because you prophesied accurately today doesn't make you a prophet. Does that make sense? So here's what happened. As you approach the town, you will meet a possession, a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. Verse 6, 1 Samuel 10, 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, Saul, in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Verse 7. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do next. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, 
God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. Samuel, none of the words that fell from his mouth fell to the ground. All of them came to pass because he was in lockstep with the Lord. First Peter 4.11 says, Let him who speaks speak as one speaking the very oracles or utterances of God. We're supposed to have our, line, our, our tongues in a line with Scripture and with the Lord's mind on matters. When they arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came upon Saul in power, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known Saul saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Saul wasn't calling himself a prophet. The prophecy coming out of his mouth shocked the people that he'd been changed. Who is their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? And Saul stopped prophesying and he went to the high place. So do you see the difference between the office of prophet with great details, timing, where it will happen at this location with the tree? Three men will come down, the hub goats, these are the instruments they'll have in their hands. And there are times when I've had the privilege of stepping into that realm and it's effortless in details and it comes to pass just like that. But just because somebody comes to you and says, you prophesied over so-and-so, can you prophesy over me? Oh, absolutely. I can tell you the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want to share with you my testimony. I 100% can prophesy. I might even be able to step into the simple gift of prophecy for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Why? Because we may all do that. But if you're asking for a prophet's office word right now, I'm going to have to pray into that. And if God gives me one, I'll give it to you. And if not, thank God we have a more sure word of prophecy, the word of God. What has God been speaking to you? And they'll normally say, well, he told me to do this. And then if you say to them, have you done it? They'll most likely say no. Say, well, I do have the word of the Lord for you. What is it? Go do what he told you to do. Jonah was told to go preach unto Nineveh. Jonah 3.1 And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, son of Amittai. Go preach unto Nineveh. And Jonah bought a ticket unto Tarshish and went the opposite direction. And he ended up thrown overboard and he ended up in the belly of a giant fish. And it says... He went down from the ship, down into the water, down into the fish, down into the belly of the fish, and it says, and in hell, he cried out. And God commanded the fish to spit him back up on the beach. And from Jonah 1.1 to Jonah 3.1, we have the story of him going down, 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 down. And the minute he repents, he gets spit up, and he begins to fulfill his call. But he hears the word of the Lord a second time. Jonah 3.1 And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time, saying, Go into Nineveh and preach. Forty days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. So if you are wondering what the fresh word of the Lord is today, I can tell you for sure that if you haven't done it, what he told you last time, just go do that. Start there and you'll get a fresh word.
We won't teach any more on that tonight, but I will say this. When Jeremiah went and obeyed the Lord to get a linen girdle, when he did that, then the Lord gave him the second word, go take the linen girdle and go to the rocks by the sea. And he did that, and he put it in. He came back X amount of days later, and he saw it was greatly. Then the word of the Lord came unto him again. And if you're faithful with little, God will give you authority over much. And then he says, now take the linen girdle to the people and tell them, thus saith the Lord. Sometimes we don't get before the people with the thus saith the Lord because we didn't go by the linen girdle. We didn't obey to go do this or to share a card of encouragement to the person sitting in the cube next to us at work or to close our mouth and say nothing. But if we're faithful with a little, God will give us authority over much. Three levels of prophecy. Simple or testimony of Jesus, Revelation 19.10 is testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then level two is the simple gift of prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, exhortation, edification, and comfort, strengthen people. And then the office of the prophet is throughout Old Testament and New Testament. God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipment of the saints. Uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 11, 10 and 11, and the office of the prophet is for edification, exhortation, comfort, foretelling, direction, and correction. So if God's growing you into that gift, be encouraged. He will promote you. But don't call yourself by titles. Let other people recognize who you are by the gift, not by the title. Prophesy, don't prophesy, and share the mind of the Father, but also the heart of the Father, which is a heart of love. Amen. Amen. Along with that, that being um, as requesting prayer, please have a total of seven things. So, Lord, we pray for all those that are having difficulty tonight, whether live or they will listen at a later time. We thank you, Lord, for transforming on the inside as you're cleansing the palate and you're cleansing the digestive system right now. I command this to cease. I command divine correction by the word of the Lord to come forth and I break this thing out right now. I command eyes to clear that have had milkiness in them right now. I command sinuses to get cleansed. I command uh, carotids to be clean, supernatural. I release the fire of God into the carotids. I speak for the blood to flow, to headaches to cease. There they go, right there. I command shoulders to be healed. I command the bursa sacs to be restored and to begin to oil. I speak a newness in the joints, the muscles, the ligaments, and the tendons. Command acetylcholine levels to balance out, hormones to balance. Command dental pain to go and the root cause to be healed right now. Right now. Right now. Still see something happening with the eyes. I command cataracts to dissolve in the name 
of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I thank you, Lord, for your angels that are being released of goodness and mercy and comfort right now to those that are listening under the sound of my voice. And we thank you for tuning ears to hear you in the wee hours of the night when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds as you open their ears and seal their instructions in accordance with Proverbs Job chapter 33 verses 14 through 18. Thank you Lord for cleaning the stomach lining now. Cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. I speak a cleansing of the blood of the Lamb and the fire of the Lord right now into the stomach lining. I command the stomach lining to be repaired and restored. I command ulcers to burn out. I release the fire of God right now. Command pain and swelling in the ankles to go. And I command heart conditions to be healed right now. In the name of Jesus. Command sciatica to come out right now. I break off sciatica and back pain in the lower back area right now in the name of Jesus night torments dreams and sleeplessness and fear I banish you from this person's life once and for all and I command you to go to the feet of Jesus and never enter their domicile again I speak for marriages to be restored and words that have been spoken one to another spouse to pal spouse to be forgiven and cleansed. I command these words that are literally floating in the realm of the spirit in the house. Command them to fall to the ground and the angels to sweep them out and to bring in the freshness of the presence of the living God. We put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel of the house and we make that lamb's blood over that home. And we declare the death angel now passes over and the angel of life to fulfill everything written in the scrolls, your scrolls, your books of destiny to be fulfilled. I command burdens to come off right now. Command knees. I command a new ACL joint. There it goes. To come in right now. All of it goes out. Brand new body parts. In the name of Jesus, arthritis, go, 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 go. Move your hands around, move it around. You'll find you're healed as you're going. Now, as you've experienced this, you see that I just started calling out what I saw. We started to pray because somebody had asked for prayer on social media, on a live, and it opened the portal. Their willingness to step out and ask because they had a need opened the door for so many others to begin to get healed of what God already wanted to do. We weren't interceding in prayer for God to do it. We were in the spirit hearing what God was already answering, agreeing with heaven that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. And as we declared it on earth in proximity and relationship with him, he then started to release it in the bodies that it might be done in earth. And I declare armor upgrade upon you and I release the shalom peace of Jehovah God 
by Shem Yeshua, the name of Jesus, and the power of Ruach HaKodesh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Who has believed, who has amen, are reported. To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his wounds, by his stripes, we're healed. We receive your healing. We believe your report. We say amen. We are mean the report. Yes, we say. We believe. We receive your work on the cross for us. If you've never received Jesus as your Messiah, the gospel is so simple. It's not a gospel of works. The work's already been done by Jesus. You receive his work. You get the presidential pardon. You get free from the shackles of shame and the lockdown of lust and the handcuffs of hatred come off. No longer will you be in the Bastille of bitterness or the penitentiary of pride. But the bondage breaker comes in and he makes a table of peace with you. Jesus died on the tree 2,000 years ago for you and for me. He was buried in the tomb and he was raised from the dead and he lives forevermore at the right hand of the Father. And he wants to write your name in the Lamb's book of life. If you'll just put your faith in him, saying, Bill paid in full for you. He'll come in and make a table of peace. Just say, Jesus, I put my faith in you. My best thinking got me where I'm at. I need your mind on the matter. Forgive me of my sins. I turn from the world. I turn to you. And I follow you from this day forward the best I know how. Cleanse me now with your shed blood and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me new. Make me clean. And give me a hunger and a thirst to read your Bible that I might learn about you and I might give my testimony of what Jesus has done for me and begin to prophesy unto others. If you said that prayer, email us, info at virtualchurchmedia.com. We'd love to send you some free resource materials. We have a mobile app that's coming out in two weeks that is absolutely amazing. It has all of our content tied into it. You'll be able to access video teachings, audio teachings, music. You'll be able to, 15 of my books. We even have audio books on there. Joanna's Worship podcast, all from the palm of your hand, on demand, virtualchurchmedia.com. You can go there and download our app soon and it will be fully functioning. But it is amazing, accelerated growth using technology, virtualchurchmedia.com. In fact, I bought a new domain name. It's called vcmobile.org. vcmobile.org, I'm gonna be attaching it. And it will be our mobile app for our .org, vc for virtual church mobile, vcmobile.org. I couldn't believe it was available. And so we are finishing that app off now with my video scribe. And this platform is not 
clicks to YouTube or Vimeo, everything's native right there in the platform with connectivity. Virtual church media on demand from the palm of your hand, accelerated growth using technology, which is the next phase of the vision the Lord gave me in 2014 when he spoke to me, virtual church, and he gave me the download. This was before the pandemic. It was like Noah. It wasn't raining when he was building the ark, and it wasn't technology time or pandemic time when I was building virtual church media six years before the pandemic. So bcmobile.org. God bless you. I'm David, my lovely wife. I'm Joanna. And we will see you next week. Anything you want to say before we go? Yes. Uh, thank you for everyone who's been praying. I have finished my transcript Woo! on Valentine's Day. I'm so excited for this book that is coming out that is going to rock this nation. It is going to rock our women and our men, but especially our women. What's the name of it? Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to share the title, but it, the content is Mistakes That Women Make That Actually Repel a Good Guy and How to Reverse Those Mistakes. So Mistakes That Women Make That Repel That's the a Good Guy topic. content and How to Reverse It. Yep. So we're going to learn what those mistakes are and how to reverse it. And then you might have another book coming out, Mistakes That Men Make. Yes that might drive women away and how to reverse that and it's based on biblical premises not hollywood premises right and it's going to bring life and healing i made every single one of those mistakes that's why i was able to write the book so when life when we make the mistakes we can write the book on how to do it wrong when we learn from our mistakes we can write the book on how to do it right right what would you have paid for a book before you made the mistakes, if you could have read in a couple of hours how to avoid them, what would that have been worth to you? Oh my God, it would have been priceless because... Yeah, for everything else, there would have been MasterCard. Yeah, yeah, uh, it would have changed the course of my destiny, literally. <laughs> but because I did make these mistakes, I am now married to the king. Oh, and I, and I learned the from place. them, that's why. <laughs> Thank you for that, my Proverbs 62 wife. You know, women can either be king makers and stand next to their king as a queen in the kingdom. Or they can be king breakers and stand over a broken king. We get to choose. And men get to be queen makers or queen breakers. I would love to be on the day of rewards before the Lord being told that I was a queen maker. I would hate to be told that I was a queen breaker. And women, I know you want to be told, well done, kingmaker. That's right. Instead of well done, crispy critter, you queen, king breaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, and so um, once that it's now in editing mode and we're working on the cover and we'll be formatting it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a kind of a pre-launch um, group to get feedback on some of the content. So if you're interested in being part of our my private group for that, um, send me um, a private message and let me know and we'll add you to the list. So that would be a private message how? Uh, uh, my uh, Facebook, so Joanna Herobedian. Okay, so just send me a private message and let me know, hey, I want to I want to join in, I want to join in and provide feedback for the pre-launch. They could also do it at info at virtualchurchmedia.com. Yes, you can Perfect. send me an email too. Excellent. 
Okay, right. fun times ahead. And I got another book coming out. We'll tell it's going to be very that exciting. Soon. That's another one. Yes. So I'm excited about Joanna's because I believe that it will help women and men, whether single, married, or divorced, not make these mistakes. And they're really little keys unlock big doors, big doors swing on small hinges. And then as we stand before the Lord, we can have a great reward for everything that we did in his name and his character. Amen. Okay. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.